This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody coming at you on a Friday to kick off your weekend with some SMU podcast listening, I guess you could say. Uh, hope everyone had a good week. We're going to jump into some, some, some subscriber questions before moving on to our preview for Inside Linebackers for SMU uh, heading into uh, the 2020 season as we continue our position previews on the podcast. And then we'll also answer uh, two questions that I think are really, you could almost do a whole podcast on, which are breakout candidates uh, for SMU football in 2020 and picking the most productive freshman in 2020. So let's jump in right away to previewing the inside linebackers. We'll then bounce over to the questions and round out with those breakout candidates and my pick for the most productive freshman. I look at the inside linebacker room and you go back to last year and expectations were really high for it. You had Richard Moore coming back. He was an all AAC preseason prediction. And three games in, you lose him for the season to a torn ACL. And that, while you didn't necessarily see it, I think, at certain points in the TCU game, that loss over the course of the season just kind of added up and really ended up hurting SMU's defense, I think from a, a number of different ways. And you saw them battle through it, and and they played well at Navy, limiting them to uh, a far lower total. I think Kevin Kane's defense has allowed uh, some somewhere around like 24 points per game against Navy since they've arrived at SMU. They've done a pretty good job. Now, there were other points where things weren't going well. Houston game, Memphis game, uh, games like that, they they really had their issues. And I think part of it, uh, you could certainly point to the secondary, but I think missing your heart and soul in the middle of that defense really hurt. And I think they almost played, and they forced five turnovers, of course, but they played with, with a chip on their shoulder with something to prove against TCU. And I, I think that's why, even though they knew going in they weren't going to have Richard Moore, that was part of the reason why they were able to overcome and and get through that game and, and certainly make uh, that TCU offense look kind of pedestrian for the most part in that game. But now Richard Moore back for his sixth year, his senior year uh, again, He's looking to, of course, bounce back from that injury. I saw him over the summer uh, at one of the uh, local camps where his younger brother, Jalen Peoples, was competing. And we just caught up and and he said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really, really good. I'm, I'm going to be 100% for the season. And and he looked the part. I mean, honestly, I mean, he, he looked like he had kind of trimmed down, which I think will allow him to play a little bit faster if, if possible. You know, coming back from a torn ACL is such a difficult thing to do and you never know how it's going to work out. But he did look good when I saw him over the summer, and and we caught up uh, at a couple different points just over uh, the COVID-19 shutdown. And so you have him back in the middle of that defense, and I think that's invaluable when you are going to be replacing leaders like Patrick Nelson, 
Delonte Scott, Demerit Gary, Rodney Clemens, uh, all sorts of guys uh, across different levels of that defense. Now, you do have help around him coming back. You, you have Armani Johnson and Brandon Stevens at the corner spot. You have some proven players, or at least experienced players, coming back in Trevor Denbo and Cameron Jones and Chevin Calloway and guys up front, uh, Turner Cox and, and Nelson Paul. And uh, I mean, you can kind of go on a little bit in terms of the depth around this defense. But when you look at Richard Moore, if he can put together at least a season where he's maybe, you know, the third team all AAC, he's at that certain point of, of, of level in the middle of that defense because he is your starter and he is your leader. So he's, he's your captain. He's going to be in the middle. And if he can do that, that's going to allow players like Trevor Denbo, players like Delano Robinson to, you know, step up at the other linebacker spots and play a little bit more freely. I think Richard McBride, who talk about one of the cool stories, not only of, of SMU last year, but of college football. You know, he was out of football uh, after he got hurt at Auburn, and and certainly uh, his career was pretty much over. Uh, he had he had started teaching over the summer at, at a uh, elementary school, I believe it was, and and then he got the call from SMU in camp and, and, and said, hey, uh, we need somebody. Uh, we've got a spot. Do you want to come give it a shot? And he ends up leading the team with 98 tackles, 69 of which went for solo tackles. Nice. Nine and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, two quarterback hurries, and a pass breakout, a breakup in 10 starts. Uh, and he started the rest of the way for SMU. And he had his moments, of course. I think he's a little tight in pass coverage. I think that's something that it's kind of uh, out there. I don't think it's a, it, it's a hard to kind of figure out. But, but you do have him and uh, Richard Moore back. And I mean, that's a pretty good tandem when you look at your two deep at inside linebacker. And who knows? Kevin Kane, they're going to be a little bit more creative, I think, formationally this year as a defense. They might be coming with a lot more three-man fronts uh, from what we've heard. Four down fronts could still be a thing. But how does that all work out with the linebacker room? Uh, uh, would you see Richard Moore, Richard McBride out there at the same time? We'll just have to see. And um, it's going to be interesting to figure out what Kevin Kane's plan is for those two guys because they are good players. And, and you know, Richard went healthy. Uh, Richard Moore went healthy is, is a really good football player. And Richard McBride was super productive last year in, in his 10 starts. I mean, that's that was big for them to get that out of Richard McBride because that defense was, you know, imagine if Richard McBride isn't in, in that role. I mean, you're, you know, Brian Holloway played some snaps. Preston Ellison played some snaps when McBride went down. I believe again against USF was the one that I really remember. And, you know, there was there was kind of a drop-off. And they're smaller linebackers. They're not thumpers in the middle. And so it's a little bit different when you plug those guys in. But I think the whole linebacker group does have some depth uh, to it. And, and that includes the inside linebacker spot. So I... Look, I think that position is one of the ones that as long as they stay healthy, you're not going to be sitting there worrying about it as much if, if you're SMU because you've got guys who have played a ton of football playing in there and you're too deep in Richard Moore and Richard McBride. But uh, for, for both, I think a lot of mo motivation heading into this year. They probably don't like the way things worked out last year. I mean, whether it was Richard Moore's injury for himself or Richard McBride, just kind of how the way the season ended. I think that's a lot of you know what many of the players are kind of feeling is, is – that season didn't end the way we wanted it to. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think the defense for the most part feels a good bit of that. 
So if, if those two guys can return to form, be productive, be healthy, this this defense is, is going to be not totally changed. I don't think this is all of a sudden going to be this like top 25 defense or anything like that. But they've got a lot of production and leadership to lean on as they do see some shifting at certain positions on this defense, and they've got to replace a lot of production. If they can get that out of Richard Moore, Richard McBride, at that inside linebacker spot, uh, this defense is in for a big boost in that regard. So that's kind of my preview on uh, the inside linebacker spot. I I do think Richard Moore and uh, Richard McBride are going to do just fine this year. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be in good shape at that position. And now I want to jump into some of the subscriber questions we had. And let's lead off with, I think, a lot of what people are are asking and and is it's kind of dominating this the the news cycle right now as California moved football to the spring UIL moved things back uh, some some conferences have made their move to conference only games and so I'll lead off with uh, one of our subscribers asking do I think spring football would work for college football in general and I'm going to say no because as long as the NFL remains in the fall that's asking guys to play two seasons in one year. Now, if you, it, it just it wouldn't work. I mean, you you look at it, and anybody who's going out for the draft, whether it's seniors or guys who leave early, how is that going to work? I mean, unless you split the semesters like basketball and and finish it out in the spring, like later, like almost March, I, I still that that's so tough on the body. So I don't think this thing's here to stay even if it were to be moved to the spring um it's uh it, it's just it's not going to work and the, and there's a lot of other sports in that in that time frame too i mean nba uh, hockey you you look at the the mlb starts in april i mean it's just you're you're starting to jumble everything up and and before you know it there wouldn't be any sports in the fall except the nfl not that uh, a lot of sports would complain about not competing with the nfl but that's just not how it's going to work um and then kind of building off of that, if if SMU stayed with a somewhat normal schedule while other conferences have shortened seasons, is it possible that SMU gets a little bit better TV coverage? And yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there are these networks that are either going to do one of two things. They're going to say, no, we're not going to spend the money to send a crew out there or broadcast the game. Or on the flip side, it's worth the squeeze to do that. And SMU could find themselves playing on an ESPN2 or an ESPNU instead of maybe a streaming um, or, or an ESPN3, maybe for some of its non-conference games. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I, I think SMU's trending towards playing the, the whole deal out. I mean, that just from talking with some people, you know, you look at the way they're preparing, they're full steam ahead. If you talk to people close to the program, they're full steam ahead. And as I kind of transition into this, Next uh, question, which is any word on Stephen F. Austin and their intentions to play. Uh, you've got TCU. The Big 12 is full full steam ahead. UNT appears to be full steam ahead. Texas State, they, they released a statement through the media uh, this week saying that their first two games are on, even though the Sun Belt, I think it's the Sun Belt, uh, said that they're delaying the start of fall sports until September 3rd, at least competition. And then SFA came out yesterday and said, we're still planning to play. And the Southland Conference is still planning to play. So SMU right now is kind of sitting pretty in terms of their non-conference games. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, of course. But 
Um, you know, it's looking like right now things are in good shape for SMU. The AAC is keeping an eye on things, of course. Uh, Mike Oresco was very optimistic this week about playing the full season for them. And I think if you're the AAC, this is a chance where, you know, if you do need a new game, uh, an, an extra game with some of these uh, conferences that or, or teams that have been left out to dry, this is your chance to capitalize and play a 12-game season. Uh, so, you know, I think everyone around SMU, AAC, the schools that SMU's got on the schedule, it seems like it's in good shape right now. Uh, of course, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said, look, it could all change tomorrow. I mean, it could. And that's kind of the weird thing about this kind of purgatory that we're in is monitoring all of that. Um, but if there is a season, if SMU and the AAC does play a full slate, uh, I'm asked, how likely is it that the AAC is stronger than the ACC in the next few years? Uh, and I guess overall looking ahead. And I don't know. I mean, one, I mean, I'm not like a expert on the ACC, but if you look at where it is right now, you've got Clemson. North Carolina, you've got Clemson above, way above everyone else. North Carolina's trending up. Miami's recruiting well, at least. We'll see how they do on the field. Uh, Florida State is certainly in a transition mode. Uh, Georgia Tech's in a transition mode. Virginia Tech, uh, they're they're playing at least uh, pretty solid football. And Virginia, you know, went to their conference championship game and and got beat up pretty good by by Clemson last year. So. I don't know, though, if the AAC is going to be stronger. Well, and the thing about it, too, is you can't measure it uh, by divisions anymore. And that's a tough part because SMU's division last year was super tough and and certainly rivaled anything in the ACC overall. But now when you group everyone together, you you might have some of these teams that might hold the AAC back as a conference. And you add in, like, if Luke Fickle goes off to a bigger job – Everybody thinks Josh Heupel is going to get a bigger job one day. It's uh, it's going to just look different over the coming years. So um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to monitor. Of course, uh, it could all kind of change. I mean, depending on what the dust settling means from COVID and, and the athletic departments and how they're affected, that will be kind of the interesting thing to monitor, I think, from the AAC's perf- uh, perspective how many of these athletic departments are, are kind of hurt in terms of being able to field competitive football teams. So we'll continue to monitor that. But, I mean, there's good football in the AAC. I don't think anybody here would argue with that. Uh, last question, what is the basketball team doing with the final scholarship? Saving it for a sit mid-year transfer, going to Jamar Young, or some surprise grad transfer? I don't know just yet. Uh, they're still playing it out. They've still got a couple weeks, I would say at least. Uh, to really potentially bring someone else in. Uh, who knows? It could go to a sit-a-year type of player. I think it should go to a sit-a-year type of player, uh, and they should hold it. That's my opinion. I think you can uh, you know, change the complexion of the roster for the future if you do that. I don't think there's many guys out there right now that you can add, and who knows? They could prove me wrong, but that you can add and really upgrade the roster for this year. Moving on to really the last portion of the pod, uh, and it, it was a question from Pony Law Express, but uh, let's do this. Three players who could be your breakout candidates in 2020 for SMU football. And I mean, I think one, you look at, uh, for me, I think either Cameron Jones or, or, or Chevin Calloway on, on the defense. I think Chevin had a really nice finish to the year. 
if Cameron Jones can be healthy, uh, he's got a chance with his, his athleticism to emerge. Uh, he had a knee injury at the end of last year. He's going to be playing outside linebacker this year. But those are two guys that I really monitor on the defensive side of the ball to emerge. And then Nelson Paul is somebody that I have got squarely circled as far as uh, you know returning players. There's there's a lot of PT up at defensive end and the rush end spot especially. And every, everything I've heard about Nelson Paul is just he's elite uh, and he's going to you know have the chance to be pretty special in terms of uh, disrupting the pass passing game for other teams and and uh, he's just had a terrific offseason he got healthy hit a little bit of a foot ankle kind of deal and, and now he's back and ready to go so those are three on the defensive side of the ball and to be honest outside of the running backs I I don't feel like it's fair to pick anybody on the offense because you know Danny Gray is a borderline household name if you pay attention to SMU football uh, you know Rasheed Rice broke out last year Reggie Robertson is is a uh, you know a, a household name and uh, there's just a lot of guys on that offense that a lot of people would say, oh, well, of course you could pick that guy. Um, but I would say, I mean, if you look for a running back, that would be kind of the only way you can pick on the offensive side of the ball. And then I'll give you one more. And that's because SMU is turning over so much at safety. But I would say, uh, along with Chevin Calloway, Donald Clay, uh, the, the redshirt freshman now uh, who played in four games last year out in the New Orleans area uh, in that 2019 class, he had a really strong spring at that safety spot. He had a couple picks, and I could see him emerging as a uh, redshirt freshman, maybe at that safety spot and push Chase Cromartie, uh, who played a lot as a true freshman. So those are just, I went over three, but uh, those are the guys I've got, uh, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's where you're going to be looking for your breakout players uh, for SMU in 2020. And finally, most productive freshman in 2020. This is a really good question because I can't pick Danny Gray. I can't pick Junior Ajo. Those are junior college transfers and so I, I I think the the player I've got to go with and, and just looking at last year's class in general is I, I've got to go uh, with with Thad Johnson and it kind of feels like you know how can he possibly break through but I mean he's a really good football player he's really really good I mean if you're looking at production I think he's got the best shot. I think it's going to be hard for Brian Massey to break through. Carl Taylor could be one, the safety position being so wide open. Um, but I'm going to go with Thad. I mean, I just think maybe they find a way to get him on the field. But there's not going to be many opportunities for some of these true freshmen to emerge. I think one player that could surprise a little bit, and it wouldn't be a production thing, but it would just be a playing time thing, is Marcus Smith. Have you seen some of the pictures of him enrolling on campus that the SMU account tweeted out. Uh, he is huge. He's about 6'3", got to be all of 320 or so, and he is just um, really, really impressive physically. He's one of the strongest guys on the team from the jump, uh, and I could see him maybe pushing somebody, at, pushing for that right guard spot. I mean, he's just so broad-shouldered. He's really strong. If he figures it out, uh, he, he might be one to play right away on the offensive line, so... Uh, with that, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a great weekend. Quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast. And also subscribe to Pony Stampede. We appreciate you guys listening, and have a great weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.